Well, amen. Let's look in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Appreciate that song. It goes right along my message tonight. God is faithful. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to begin reading in verse 1 and read down to verse 9. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, just the joy to be in the house of God and be able to sing songs of worship and praise to you, uh, to be able to have the fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ, and uh, Lord, to be challenged from the word of God, to remind, be reminded, Lord, of all that you are to us. And uh, Lord, um, uh, I believe with all my heart uh, that you'll show yourself faithful and true to us each and every day as we surrender our life anew to you. I would pray, Lord, if there's someone here tonight that's never been saved, that you would touch them, Lord, and bring conviction upon them, that they might come and receive Christ as their Savior. Uh, Lord, we certainly are blessed to be able to say that Jesus is our Lord. We are blessed to know that God is ever with us, and so we pray for your blessing tonight on the preaching of the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 9 is our text verse. God is faithful, by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his, his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is a great letter, 1 Corinthians, because of the fact that the Apostle Paul is writing it to believers uh, who need to be challenged in their faith. Uh, Paul, in this book, deals with a lot of difficult subjects. And it's alarming to go through, actually, First and Second Corinthians both and see uh, the, the things that the Apostle Paul would have to address that were wrong uh, in the Corinthian church. Uh, you would not think that any of those conducts and actions would be ever experienced in the life of a Christian, but they were back in the days of the Apostle Paul. And certainly we have to deal with those same subjects in 2019. But he states this, that God is faithful. He lays that foundation before he starts dealing with any of the subject matter that he had to address or confront. He wanted them to know that God is faithful. The faithfulness of God is based on his own character, God's character. He's impeccable and he's immutable. He is a God who cannot lie. And so everything that God states to us and God reveals to us 
is based on the character of God Almighty. Oftentimes people say, well, how can I trust the Bible? I can trust the Bible because God is a God who cannot lie. He's not going to record something for me that is bad for me. He's not recording something for in his word that would be contradictory to his character or through his will. And so I'm confident to say that God is a God who is immutable and a God who cannot lie. Paul will write to two young preacher boys uh, by the name of Timothy and Titus. And as he writes to them, he writes to them dealing with uh, the faithfulness of God to them in ministry and certainly the faithfulness of God to his uh, uh, children through faith in Christ. And so I want to use verse 9 as a springboard. I'm going to do springboard preaching tonight. Amen. We just read the verse and dive off and we'll see where we go. Amen. So God is faithful. There's five sayings. <clears throat> that the Apostle Paul makes to Timothy and to Titus in reference to this is a faithful saying. It's a faithful saying because it's something that's communicated by God. <clears throat> and since God cannot lie, then I can trust what he is stating to me and revealing to me based on the faithfulness that God will not violate one principle <clears throat> or one aspect of his character. So let's look in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Since Paul is going to state five uh, faithful sayings of God, uh, we need to look at them. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, we see that God is faithful <coughs> to save the sinner. In uh, chapter 1 of 1 Timothy, uh, verse 15 says, This is a faithful saying. When God makes a statement like that, you need to pay attention to what he's saying. So this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. In other words, we need to acknowledge and accept what is being said. And so what is being said, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And so God is faithful to save the sinner. It's very easy to get discouraged when you try to lead people to the Lord and they will not accept Christ. And uh, I shared, I think it was on Wednesday night that I had witnessed to someone in the hospital facing death. It is coming upon him very quickly, but absolutely would not let me read scripture. I said, well, can I read you some scripture? He said, no. I said, okay, I'll read Psalm 23. And so, <laughs> so then I said, no, uh, would it be all right for me to pray for you? He said, no. I said, okay, let's have a word of prayer. And so... <laughs> But I tried to impress on him the necessity that he needs to call on Christ. He needs to be saved. And God is faithful to save him. All he kept telling me, it's too late. It's too late. It's amazing what people think of the process of salvation and whether or not they can get saved or not. I told him, I said, well, it can't be too late. I said, the thief on the cross, nobody was at the end of his life as, like the thief on the cross. Uh, all he could do is cry out to Jesus, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. And Jesus' response, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And I said, so long as you're breathing, it's not too late. And you can receive Christ as your Savior. Why? Because God is faithful. And God is faithful to save the sinner. So don't think somebody's going to get, uh, can't get saved. You need to reach out to them. God can save their soul. I know yesterday as we were out soul winning, 
a couple of ladies got stopped by the police going out soul winning. It's always interesting to me. Somebody's dressed up nice and they're going out and you're carrying a Bible and you want to talk about to people about Jesus Christ and they call the police on you, um, you know, like you're stealing or robbing something, you know. I remember a soul winning a while ago and a police officer stopped me and he said, well, we got complaints. There's been a lot of robberies in this neighborhood. I said, do I look like a thief? I'm wearing a coat and tie for crying out loud, carrying a Bible. I'm sure I'm going to go in somebody's house and steal. Then people, ha and there's all kinds of things that you'll face and you'll run, run into with conversations with people about salvation. And it's easy. It's easy to think that God can't save people. It's easy to think that God can't move in people's lives anymore. But the reality is God is faithful to save the sinner. No, he'll save the righteous man. And I thought about the righteous man, the apostle Paul, as a Pharisee. And uh, certainly he, he identifies his testimony as being a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He identifies his testimony that he was of the most straightest sect of the Pharisees. I mean, there wasn't anybody you could get in contact with that was more religious than what the apostle Paul was. And yet, when Paul met the Lord on the Damascus Road in Acts chapter 9, I mean, he was smitten in his heart and he cried out, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And God can save the righteous person, this religious person who thinks they're right because of their own acts and their own works. God is still in the business of bringing conviction upon them. We just need to present to them who Jesus Christ is because this is a faithful saying that Jesus came into this world for what purpose? To save sinners of whom I am chief, Paul says. And God is still in the business of saving sinners. He's not willing that any should perish. And uh, certainly uh, he came to seek and to save that which is lost. And he has given commandment and, and, and commission to his believers that they're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Why? Because God is in the business of saving religious people. People are consumed with their religion. And uh, it's an amazing thought uh, that God would still touch somebody who is consumed with their religion. He's not only, he'll, will he save the religious man, uh, Paul is a Pharisee, but he'll save the wicked man. The apostle Paul was the persecutor of the church. I mean, when you take, well, I've had people say, well, you just don't know how wicked and how bad I am. God couldn't save a sinner like me. Look at the Apostle Paul. I mean, he went everywhere throwing Christians in prison. He was consenting unto the death of Stephen. Uh, he would watch many, many believers in Christ be executed because of the fact of one, one violation, that they were a Christian and they were born again and they believed and trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. You think of the most wicked person on the face of this earth tonight, and God can save them. God can deliver them. And the answer to man's problems, the answer to the plight of sin upon this earth is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is a faithful saying that he came to save sinners. And it doesn't matter how wicked they are, or a gross or court, uh, uh, that they may be, uh, God is willing to save them. And you say, well, how do you know it? Because God's faithful. God is faithful to save. And so he saved the religious man. He saves the wicked man. 
And then I thought of this, he saves to the uttermost. In other words, he doesn't halfway save, he saves completely. I'm glad when I got saved that God saved me completely. And I was talking to someone this morning and I was just sharing that my testimony that when I got saved, I was an alcoholic. And I'm thankful that God saved me and took the alcohol away from me. He saved me completely. I struggled with smoking, but God saved me completely and delivered me from that filthy habit. And I'm glad that God changed my vocabulary. I mean, I have to speak in tongues every day because the language I used to know, I can't say anymore. And so God enabled me to have a miracle. I speak in tongues. I speak in clear, clean English. Amen. And now somebody's going to go out of here or it's going to go on the internet and say, that preacher's over there teaching you speak in tongues. And, uh, but anyway, they'll get the meaning of it. And, uh, and so I thought about being saved to the uttermost. I thought about the maniac of Gadara. Lord gave me a message a while ago. I'm going to develop it. It's entitled, He's a Lunatic. And uh, <laughs> I know you enjoy that. It's easy for us to identify with that. Amen? <laughs> He's a lunatic. <laughs> I thought about Dave when I came up with that title. <laughs> but God is faithful to save to the uttermost. The maniac of Gadara, I mean, he was tormented. Uh, he was, was possessed of demons. Uh, he was chained up and no one could bind him. Uh, he would torture himself in cutting and, and gouging himself. People today talk about, oh, well, you know, it's okay to tattoo yourself and it's okay to gouge yourself and pierce yourself and cut yourself and all that. That's what the maniac of Gadara did. And when he came to Jesus Christ, Jesus cast the demons out of him. And then when they came, they found him sitting there clothed in his right mind. He no longer did the things that he did before he met Jesus Christ. Why? Because God is faithful to save to the uttermost. He doesn't save us part way. He saves us all the way. And I thought about the woman at Jacob's well. I mean, when Jesus confronted her in John chapter 4, uh, she, he, she said, he said, go get thy husband. She said, I have no husband. He said, you said, well, because you've had five men who weren't your husbands. And uh, he dealt with her about her adultery and her fornication. And she came to know Christ as her Savior. And when she trusted Christ as her Savior, she was free. She was delivered. She had a message of hope. And she went into the city of Samaria to tell them all about this man who told her all things whatsoever she had done. Certainly this must be the Christ. It must be the Messiah. Why? Because God saved her to the uttermost. I thought about the woman caught in adultery brought to Jesus by the Pharisees. And Jesus would sit down on the ground and, and, and write in the ground. And no one knows what he wrote, but often have been said he must have been writing down the names of the men who were with her. He must have been writing down the, the sins of the Pharisees who were bringing accusations. It is believed because she was caught in the very act that the man that was defiling her was there present with the accusation against her. And I'm telling you, sinful people bring sinful accusations against someone. Jesus started writing their names or whatever it was he was writing on the ground, and they all departed. And he looked up. He says, woman, where is thy accuser? She said, there's none, Lord. 
He said, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. I'll tell you, she was released from that. She was delivered from that lifestyle of living a life of adultery, and God gave her a new life. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Yeah, say, how do I know that? This is a faithful saying. That Jesus came into this world for what? To save sinners. And I'm thankful that God will save sinners tonight. You're here tonight. You're not sure you're saved. I don't care what sin you've done. I don't care what your background is. I don't, I don't care what struggles you have in your life. I know this. God is faithful to save your soul and he'll save your soul tonight. If you'll trust him as your personal savior, you'll leave here changed. You leave here new. You leave here born again. You leave here a child of God when you came in as a child of devil. Amen. God can change everything. God is faithful to save sinners. I see another statement here about the faithfulness of God. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. I see that God is faithful to call in service. To call in service. This is a true saying. The true saying is the same statement as a faithful saying. This is a true saying. If a man desires the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. That is in reference to Christ calling this man, whoever he may be, in the ministry or calling them to serve the Lord. This is a true saying. It's a faithful saying. God is faithful. That if you desire the office of bishop, you desire to serve the Lord, he says that's a good desire. That's a good work. It's a good opportunity for you to be able to serve Jesus Christ. You know, in the last 20 years uh, from this church, there's a multitude of people that are out in ministry. Um, I've been keep trying to keep track of people that have come through our church, have come here and they've trained. They've grown and they've matured. And they're out pastoring churches. They're out on the mission field. They're out serving in some capacity in full-time ministry. I mean, it's a long list of people that have been trained and prepared and have experienced a move of God in their life and the call of God on their life to go into ministry. And it is a faithful saying that God does call people into service. He calls you to serve him in the local church. He calls people to go into full-time ministry. It is God who impresses on a person's heart to do something for the glory of God. And the, and the only way you can succeed and the only way you can enjoy your Christian life is by living your life based on the faithfulness of God to call you in the ministry. You know, we, our choir, we're starting to work on our Christmas cantata. This is a great time for you to get in the choir. Amen. If you can't carry a tune in a bucket, you might not want to do that. Amen. But that's a joke. You can laugh. Amen. <laughs> Uh, or, or you think of uh, ministry, you think of junior church, I think in our bulletin, I don't know, I didn't read the thing. Anyway, I think it says something about junior church workers or Sunday school workers. Uh, we, you know, Patch Club is going to be starting up, is going to be starting up. We have all these different ministry opportunities. I know this, God does not give us a ministry opportunity and be unfaithful to call people to fulfill it. God wants to use every one of us to fulfill his call in doing the work of the ministry. You say, well, how do we deal with that? You need to hear the voice of Jesus to his disciples. What was the first thing that Jesus said to his disciples? Every one of them. 
when he came in contact with them. The very first thing he said, follow me. That was the first thing he said, follow me. And so when you talk about the call of God to serve him, it is based on the reality that the simple acknowledgement and response is to the words, follow me. We're to follow Christ. He has something he desires for you to do, and he'll equip you for that. You know, Moses argued with God when God called him to go into Egypt and bring the Israelite out of bondage in Egypt. And uh, Moses complained and, and argued with God, felt that he couldn't do it. And God said, what's in your hand? Well, that was easy question to answer. Moses looked at his hand. There was a rod. The Bible just says a rod. <laughs> That's it. He didn't say how big the rod was. Didn't say how long it was. Didn't say, tell you what material it was made of. Just what is in your hand? Oftentimes people say, well, I can't do anything for God. I'm just not very talented. I'm not very smart. And, you know, I'm too old. I'm too young. We come up with all, all kinds of excuses. Wait a minute. All you need to do is hear the voice of Christ saying, follow me. And when you listen to the call of God to follow him, God will always open a door of opportunity for you to serve him. God is faithful to call to service. I thought about acknowledging the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life. Paul challenged the elders of the early church uh, that they would be aware of the fact that it was the Holy Ghost who had placed them in the ministry. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, the acknowledging the leading of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he had purchased with his own blood. And so there, it, there is an unction, there is anointing, there is a move of the Spirit of God that directs us into the ministry. And uh, listen, you can't do the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we need a unction, we need a move, we need a resource that em embodies all that God is and that is in the person of Jesus Christ. So we acknowledge the leading of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is leading and directing you, then bless God, you need to walk and live in light of the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'd, I'd be concerned, I really would be concerned if I never experienced the conviction of the Spirit of God on my heart. I would be concerned about my Christian life if I never experienced and move of God impressing upon me to do something for him. I'd be concerned about that because God has given us his Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that, that fulfills the will of God and points men to Jesus Christ is living and abiding in us. And if the Holy Spirit is there, then certainly it stands the reason this is a faithful saying that God will call us to service based on the anointing and leading of the Holy Spirit in our life. And then I thought of this, we need to be committed in the service of God. Colossians 4, 17. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received of the Lord that thou fulfill it. And uh, the, the Paul was challenging Archippus that he would complete the call of God in his life. And uh, listen, we, we don't give up on God. Uh, we never retire from, from serving the Lord. Uh, you don't get to a certain age and say, well, I can't do anything or I won't do anything for God anymore. No, 
God calls, God impresses, God empowers, and God gives a responsibility to complete his call in your life in serving him. So this is a faithful saying uh, that God is faithful to save sinners. He's faithful to call to service. Uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, God is faithful to sanctify the saint. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, it says, For bodily exercise profiteth little. You know, it's amazing how much people spend money on bodily fit, uh, what, exercise. You know, it's interesting when I come over in the morning, early in the morning, I go past the exercise places. You can't see in the window because of the steam on the windows. Everybody's working so hard, they're working out. They spend so much money, they spend so, so much time in investing in something that is very little as far as profitability. For bodily exercise profiteth little. I believe you ought to be fit. I think you ought to take care of the temple that God has given you. Uh, the Holy Spirit resides in us. I believe we ought to be responsible for that. That's why I'll, um, I'll, uh, I, I feed my body pretty good. Amen. <laughs> I want to take care of it. Uh, my doctor told me, she said, you got to stop eating potato chips. And too much salt. And I was like, okay. So I stopped eating potato chips. Hey, Amen. I got a perfect will. I can overcome that temptation. So I went to the doctor again. And she was like, how you doing with potato chips? I said, good. I quit eating them. She said, is that right? She said, I'm so proud of you. Quit eating potato chips. I said, yeah, I eat Doritos now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she was going to fall off the chair. Amen. What am I saying? Bodily exercise is good. But it profiteth little. You know, I don't care how much you feed this body, how much you care for this body, how much you exercise this body, this body's going to die. But how are we exercising spirituality? It says, for bodily exercise profit little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having the uh, promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. Physical exercise is only for the benefits of the body now. Godliness is for the exercise and the benefits of the body in the future. And then he says in verse 9, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. And so what I just said about bodily exercise and godly exercise, this is the faithful saying. In verse 10 he says, therefore... We both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially those that believe. And so God is safe, faithful to sanctify the believer. First of all, realize this, God has set me apart. When you got saved, God separated you from your sin. He separated you uh, from the world. And so God is doing a work in me and in you. So God did a work of salvation when you got saved. It's not you working out your salvation. It is God doing the work of salvation. This is a faithful saying. 
Bodily exercise is profited little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. It's a faithful saying that literally God has brought us to a place of sanctification and surrender to him. And so God has set me apart. He did a work of salvation. There's a point in time where we get saved. Then God is setting me apart. In other words, God's continuing to work in your life. God doesn't save you and ignore you. God saves you and continues to work in your life. And so that means that God is doing a work of salvation in me. And every day, God ought to be convicting us about our salvation. Every day, the grace of God should be nurturing us and enabling us to grow in our understanding of our salvation. God has set me apart. He did a work of salvation. God is setting me apart. God is doing a work of salvation. Then God will set me apart. And that'll be the completion. God will complete my salvation. My salvation is not complete until I get in the presence of God. And it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Because of the fact that the completion, the fulfillment, if you will, of the reality of the divine salvation of God will take place when we come into the presence of God. You say, how do I know that? Because God's faithful. This is a faithful saying. That God would do these things. Well, 2 Timothy chapter 2 in uh, verse 11. Notice this: uh, God is faithful to secure our salvation. And 2 Timothy chapter 2 in uh, verse 11. Let's see here. I'll get over there real quick. It says here, if, I'm sorry, it is a faithful saying. For if we be dead with him. We shall also live with him. Why? Because Paul would be Paul would write and pin the words, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Not I, but Christ liveth in me. So this is a faithful saying. For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, Yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. So the security that we have in salvation is not based on our feelings, our emotions, but it's based on the reality that God is faithful. It does not matter whether you've been, you've been saved and all of a sudden you start to doubt, you've been saved and then you're starting to struggle with things in your life. Wait a minute, even if you start to slip away and fall by the wayside, God still is faithful. He cannot deny himself. Our salvation is built on who Christ is. It's based on the fact that we have a gift. Romans 6.23 is, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How can I be secure in Christ? Because I've received a gift. If it's not something that I earn, then it doesn't depend on me continue to maintain it. It is God who gave me the gift of eternal life. We have a prize. Paul said in Philippians 3.14 that he pressed towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, God will always... I'll uh, reward us and bless us for our surrender to him because we're secure in our salvation based on the fact of what Christ did. And then we just simply have a faithful Savior. And we believe not yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. That's why Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I had one fellow one day I was witness to do and he told me, 
he believed that you could lose your salvation. He said, well, it said that no man's able to pluck you out of his hand, but you can walk out if you want to. And I looked at him, I said, are you crazy? Who, who in their right mind, who really has gotten saved and has been born again by the grace of God and understands the reality of the love of Christ and the mercy of God and the grace of God and what's awaiting for us in heaven and say, oh, I have experienced all those things, but I don't want it anymore. That is the stupidest statement I've ever heard in my life. John says they went out from us because they were not one of us. And so the security that we have in Christ, if you're really saved, not only can you not uh, lose your salvation, but nobody can take it away from you. And well, how do you know that? This is a faithful saying. God can't deny himself. He promised that. 1 John 5, 13 says, uh, well, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And so there is the confidence God instills in us with the reality our salvation is secure in the faithfulness of God. God is faithful. So God is faithful to secure our salvation. Here's the last thought. You said, praise God, he finally got to the last point. Well, uh, Titus 3.8 says, This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Then he says, but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. And so uh, here it is. God is faithful to confirm our submission to him. Why? Because he has promised that he reward us. It said that you confirm constantly that we are to be careful to maintain good works. Why? Because that's good and is profitable to all men. Uh, God has promised that he would reward us for our works. And so he rewards labor that we do now. In Ephesians chapter 6, I've had people say, well, I don't understand why you think it's so important for us to serve God. Because you want a reward from God? You want a blessing from God? In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 8, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive the Lord, whether he be bond or free. You say, I really need God's blessing in my life. Well, why don't you go find somebody to be a blessing to? You say, I really, I really need some help financially. Why don't you go help somebody else financially? Well, when I make a lot of money, then I'll be able to help somebody. No. God wants to prove you where you are right now if you can have faith to believe that if you reach out to someone by the impression of the Spirit of God on your heart, that God will recognize that as a good work and he'll bless you for that good work right now. I mean, God has, listen, over the years, I have watched God provide and move and bless in my life, I mean, almost immediately, uh, when, when I've done something for someone else. God will get into your life and will bless in your life if you realize that he will reward our labor for him. Our submission to Christ uh, is based on the truth of the fact that God is always faithful, that he rewards our labor now. But then he rewards our labor in the future. In Revelation chapter 22 and 12, Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to every man 
according as his work shall be. And so God rewards the labor. You say, how do I know? Because God's faithful and he said that he would reward us. He said that he would bless us. He said that he would move in our life. And so we live and we serve and we relate to others and help others based on the faithfulness of God. It's not based on us. It's based on who is God in us. And so the simple question is this. Uh, if God's faithful to save, if you're here tonight, you're not sure you're saved, will he save you? Yes, he will. If God is faithful to save, then are there people that you know that are lost and you're wondering whether they'll ever get saved? I believe they can be saved. I believe you need to talk to them and I believe you need to take the gospel to them and tell them how to be saved. Why? Because God is faithful to save the sinner. Uh, God's call in your life. Maybe God's calling you to ministry. Uh, maybe you need to surrender everything to the Lord and say, God, I'll be willing to go wherever you want me to go. Uh, God has something that he wants to bless you with in calling you in the ministry. It may be ministering in this local church. There, Listen, you read through Romans chapter 12, and you read through 1 Corinthians, and you read about all the gifts that God has given to people in the church. In the book of Ephesians, he talks about the gifts that God has given the people in the church. And it states that he gave those gifts for the work of the ministry. He didn't give you the talents and skills for yourself. He didn't give you talents and skills so you can boast about how smart you are or how good you are. God gave you those gifts, those talents, and those skills for one reason. That you might use it in the body of Christ for the glory of God. And so God will call God will save. God will sanctify. And uh, I don't like this present-day type counseling where everybody has to go over and reminisce all their sins in their life. Wait a minute. I'm going to tell you one thing right now. The devil may try to bring up my past and try to bring up my sins of the past, but wait a minute. When he does, I say, whoa, 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 pal. That's under the blood. You can't see it because it's covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't bring an accusation against me because Christ died on Calvary to deliver me from all those sins. But then we start to counsel somebody and we start to say, well, you know, you got to think about what you were and you got to reminisce about this and you got to do all, you know, repressed in, in memory and all. I'm not for any of it. None of it. Because all it does is create an environment where everybody is a continual victim. And we are more than conquerors through Christ who saved us. And I believe we need to find victory in Jesus Christ. They say, well, once well, you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. That's a lie of the devil. Because I'm going to tell you I was an alcoholic. I was lost. I was on my way to hell. But praise God, I'm saved and he set me free. And I'm not an alcoholic anymore. I'm a child of the living God. I'm a child of the king. And praise God, he gives me victory. He is the one that's faithful. Not me, he is. He'll sanctify you. He'll secure you when you feel you're alone. You feel you have no hope. You feel like there's nowhere to turn. You find your security in Christ. You rest in the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, my wife and I could testify tonight of situations. I'm going to tell you, we didn't know what the outcome was going to be in our life. And we had nobody. And we had nowhere. 
to turn, but we could turn to our God because he's faithful. And if God be for us, who can stand against us? We need to live in that realm of security. And then the reward. We don't serve the Lord to get a reward. We serve the Lord because we love the Lord. But the wonderful thing is, the fringe benefit is, is that he'll give us a reward. So I always say, well, I like going fishing. And most of the time I fish, I don't catch anything. I've come to the conclusion that if you catch something, that's a bonus. Amen. <laughs> the blessing is going not for the fish. It's going just to go out and relax and get away from things. And where nobody can find you, amen? And no, uh, but all of a sudden a fish jumps on your line. It's like, oh, okay, that's pretty good, you know? That's the, that's the fringe benefit. That's the bonus. Well, wait a minute. We don't serve God to get blessings and rewards. We serve God because we love him. <laughs> Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It has nothing to do with me loving him and serving him and working for him to get a reward. We serve him because we love him. And then the bonus, the bonus, the extra credit, amen. You know, in school, that's, I'm thinking school starting next week. And I'm just thinking first thing the kids always want to do, first quiz or test, can we get extra credit? Just study the material you need to know and just answer the questions and you'll do okay. Why are you worried about extra credit? What makes you think that a teacher believes you're going to study extra to get extra credit when you won't study enough just to pass what you just got? I mean, do they really think we're that stupid? We serve the Lord because we love him. And you know what? He gives us a fringe benefit. <laughs> He gives us a bonus, and he blesses us. I'll tell you, there is nothing greater than living the Christian life. Why? Because it's not dependent on us. It's dependent on the faithfulness of God. This is a faithful saying. Five times in three little books, Paul says this is a faithful saying. What is it? The faithfulness of God. God is faithful. Let's bow for prayer. My Father, I come to you, I thank you so much for grace, and I thank you for mercy. I'm thankful, Lord, that when I'm not faithful, you still are faithful. I'm thankful when it seems like there's nowhere to turn, we still have a God who is interested in us. And Lord, there's always trials, there are always difficulties, there are always discouragement, there's always disappointments. There's always those dangers. But God, there's always you, and you're ever with us. I pray that the Spirit of God will minister this truth to our heart tonight, that we'll never forget how faithful you are to us. And God, I pray if there is someone that's lost or not sure they're saved, they would come and receive Christ tonight. What a glorious day it would be in their life if today was the day of salvation. Lord, I pray for every believer tonight. Just encourage us with this simple truth. God is faithful. Pray for your blessing in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.